0: Voki, and you are listening to Anchored, my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face to face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. Ronnie Sue started the Fishing with Rod website in 2001. Its purpose was to serve as an online fishing resource for anglers throughout British Columbia, though today, Rodney's popular fishing videos rank his channel as the most-watched sport fishing channel in Canada. In this episode of Anchored, I meet with Rodney and co-host Kitty Canhoffen to discuss getting children into fishing, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, and managing public pressure. Uh, Rod, I've known you for a really, really long time. It feels like a long time.
1: Yeah, it's... Since 2004, I believe. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, no just to, I
1: guess, the, the background would be um, you came on the fly fishing forum. You were asking about how to clean your breathable waders. That's right. And people, you know, guys <laughs> were giving you a hard time about it. And I thought, well, Jokes, you know, like,
0: but they were covered in bait, like from mm-hmm. head to toe covered in bait. Yeah, it's yeah. so, not like just for the listeners. It's not like I was fly fishing and yeah. being like, how do I make my waders look shiny? Yeah. I was disgusting. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was <laughs> a legit question, and so well, why don't people just answer the question properly? And you, I worked right? so
0: hard to buy those waders, yeah. and I wanted mm-hmm. them to last. And you could see the grease seeking like seeping in, and
1: yeah, you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. you continue. Yeah. So that that went on. I I don't think I actually took part in that discussion, mm-hmm. um, but. At the at the time, I was running river cleanups on the Chillak River, mm-hmm. and I, I invited you out to one of the cleanups. Actually, it was Rivers Day, two thousand four, I think, and he came out, and that's that's how we met. You mm-hmm.
0: were always such a class act. Mutual so Thank you. I mean, it,
1: it, that, that's the way I look at it. Right? If if you want to be treated nicely, you know, treat other people nicely.
0: Where are you from, Rod?
1: I've been around, so I, I grew up in Taiwan. That that's where I was born for the first ten years. I was in Taiwan and. The next six, seven years, I was in Australia, Melbourne, Australia.
0: Oh, you were in Melbourne?
1: Yeah. Up until the age of 10, we, we were in Europe at the time. I was in Austria for like a year. Um, my dad's a classical musician, so we travel quite a bit.
0: What kind of music?
1: Um, piano. I mean, oh, piano, the piano, yeah. okay. So we, we travel quite a bit um, because of his work and stuff. So, yeah, and so Australia. And then after that, we moved to Vancouver, Canada.
0: And you would have been, how old do you think? I was
1: 18 or 19 at the time. And I've been here ever since.
0: Were you a fisherman back then?
1: Oh, yeah. I have been I fished since I was five. So
0: yeah. What got you into that? And my parent? dad, yeah.
1: So we always, always tagged along and, yeah, all kinds of fishing, oceans, rivers, lakes, and, yeah. Okay. So that, that's, you know, that's all because of him, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. Did you go to school out here?
1: I did my fishery science at UBC. And that's when I didn't really know what I was going to do after my undergrad. And, you know, I had a chance going to DFO and working various projects and that was going to work out. But then for some reason, I started the, this website just for fun. And I just kind of took off. Fishing was just kind of took off from there. It, it turned really into did. a viable business. And I thought, well, yeah, just keep doing it with that, right? And it kind of suited my lifestyle at the time because since I like traveling, I was met my wife, Nina in Denmark. So I was traveling back and forth. I was spending up to six months a year. Between 2000 and 2010 in Denmark, so it was, I was we were going we were in the long distance for ten years. Oh, you
0: were you were traveling there for
1: <laughs> for her. Nina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and uh, so that kind of so this work suited my lifestyle. It just kind of worked out that way. So what is yeah.
0: this lifestyle? Talk to me about fishing with rod, because as long as I've known you, that has been yeah in existence. So the website
1: the website was developed back in two thousand one, and the reason I started this website was I found that there wasn't much online resource when it comes to educating uh, new anglers. I think this government has done a really poor job when it comes to laying out the regulations. And it's very important to follow the regulations, but it's so hard to read them and to interpret them. And there really isn't any other website out there to tell you what to do and uh, where to go fishing. Most of the, the resource focuses on... The high end lodges, you know, exotic fishing places, and though we need to have a website that focuses on fa- family fishing, kids fishing. You know, where can you go uh, from Vancouver, going down for a day trip for an afternoon with the kids, just to catch a trout or catch even just a um, pike minnow, something mm-hmm. like that, right? So, but there, there wasn't anything like that out there. So that's that's how fishing with Ross started.
0: And this yeah. was all pre
1: Facebook, exactly. So this is before like social very media beginning of the internet really so 2000 2001 and the big thing back then was discussion forums right, right? and then for some reason my discussion forum got really really popular
0: why do um, you think it's popular
1: good moderation you know i've had a good team of moderators and watching it and uh and just people like to talk about very simple phishing stuff Right,
0: and it's not fly fishing specific. That's the other it's, thing. It's
1: everything. So what I like to focus on is everything. It's not just fly fishing, and you know, even after fishing for so many years, I mean, you do evolve, you do advance as a fisherman. But I like to go back, and I still like to go out and flow fish with bait and go sp- you know, spin casting and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And people can relate to that, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's
1: that's the website. The website's been around for, I guess, eighteen years. Um, wow,
0: like listen to that eighteen, yeah, 18 almost 20 almost years. twenty years
1: yeah it's almost half of my life <laughs>
0: Wow, how do you monetize I mean i don't need to know all of your dirty details, but um, especially back so then. so
1: the first couple of years it really wasn't it wasn't like a business it was just more of a hobby mm-hmm. but then eventually you know business is like a guiding service, so you know there's potential in it when you have five thousand people looking at a day you know there's there's this, you know there's money to be made from that right yeah um so they started asking for advertising um, inquiries and I was like well, advertising I don't know how much I should charge you right <laughs> so I think I was only charge charging people quite a bit at the very beginning but eventually you know more you know the demand was there that's when I started having like a set advertising rate and and that that's how the business started
0: and that's yeah. now your full-time job
1: exactly
2: cool yeah. okay yeah. now enter miss Kitty here you guys are work Partners, I would call ourselves work partners. It was actually this is—it's a funny story. Okay. So I guess Rod was doing a filming project over on Vancouver Island, and my husband Dan uh, is quite well known on his fishing with Rod forum as a as as just uh, a very passionate fisherman that likes to get involved (laughs) in uh, a lot of conversations, and he writes articles for Rod about the island and the fisheries there. And so um, Rod was doing this trip, and somebody had bailed. And so Rod thought that he would invite Dan and his girlfriend that fishes sometimes. And so we um, went up to Euclid. And it was my first time ocean fishing. And that was our very first episode together. And then it kind of evolved from that. And he invited myself on you know another trip, and another, and another. And then we found out we made a, a really good uh, fishing team.
0: No, when you say show, so you guys are filming like an online series?
1: Yeah, so just backtracking a little bit. So, you know, after the website's been around for a few years, social media came along. YouTube came along in two thousand six mm. and I, I I stumbled across to YouTube and I thought, well what is this? You know, it's a video posting platform and you know, what is it all about, right? So I set up an account at the time just to just for the heck of it, right? And I actually have one of the earlier earliest accounts. You know, on YouTube.
0: No kidding. Since
1: 2006, so it's 12 years now. For the first several years, I was just putting up little video clips here and there. And um, 2009, 2010, that's when I decided we should do some kind of a fishing show on it. Um, So I started posting longer videos, like uh, actual edited 15 to 20 minute shows. And Kitty came along and and we started doing the shows together in 2014. And and she started doing a lot more, starting... Uh, about two years ago, uh, we started doing a lot more. So we've been producing maybe 20 a year.
0: Oh, wow. That's a lot of
1: filming. A lot of filming, yeah. Work. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Well, let me give the listeners some context. Kitty, you're young. You're 26.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You're that's be- right. Beautiful. Kitty's a teacher. You just would add such an enthusiasm and such a a, a positive presence on any sort of television series. So I can see how that would have come to be. Thank you, April. I appreciate that coming you, from you. You bet. So, why did you guys choose not to go on actual television? I cannot wait to hear the answer. Okay, to this. <laughs> yes.
1: Um, it's, the money's not bad. It, it's, for me, it's for you, I, I for don't you, yeah. I don't need to be, I'm, I'm working as hard as it is. I don't need to be doing more. I think we, we have been approached several times actually, you know, why don't you do, be on TV and whatever, right? Um, but I find YouTube is a great platform for. for for what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no limit when it comes to creativity. My shows can be 10 minutes long or 20 minutes or however long I want it, right? So that's, that's all part of it. So it doesn't, I find my own sponsors for for every show and, and uh, yeah, so I I like that creative freedom. Yeah. It's uh, it's great, yeah.
0: I don't think people realize the handcuffs that go along with television.
1: I think for, for us and especially for you, for Kitty too, like uh, this is a, very positive experience mm-hmm. and and we don't need to ruin that by <gasps> by making it mainstream or you know it, it for us it's, it's just fun and and being able to make a living out of it it's, it's great
0: do you so, have like a big dream what what would be the big like what's the ceiling? how high do you want to go
1: um I guess seeing more view getting more views on those videos would be nice i mean they they get quite a few views i mean they, some of the videos there's, there's a couple of videos that are over a million views and uh, oh, wow. you know but most of them are sitting between 10,000 and 50,000 views so and then they, they get around and you know people watch it and people do come up to us and, in public saying hey watch it and you know what, what's what we really appreciate is when parents come up at least I, I can't speak for you but for me it's when parents come up with their kids, because the kids are too shy to come up and say, yeah. you know, hey Rod, right? So the parents will be coming up, and say, hey, my kids back there, and you know, he 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 and I watch, you know, watch the show all the time, and uh, we just want to say thanks, and that's 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 great. That's all I need to hear.
0: That's so, so rewarding, huh? and
1: or something like, um, hey, we went to this lake, and uh, because of you, we caught this fish and this fish, and just improving people's fishing experience. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's very satisfying, right?
0: So, How much grief do you get from people around here saying you're pimping out
1: the spots? So, no, <laughs> kidding. I'll, I'll laughing uh, no, I'll give, give, <laughs> a Second, yeah. So, so this when when I started the website, um, this probably was a bigger issue um, because wasn't social media wasn't around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of the attention was on the website. So you know, on the discussion forum, I can't control what people say, right? So sometimes spots get named, and uh, do I take that down? You know, it's do I cut that, cut away the freedom of speech? Mm. So, someone is supposed to get named, and, um, you know, there is some negative attention to that, right? It's not as much now, just because the social media around and it, you know, that it gets bombarded by photos and all kinds of stuff, and people will. Say where they're fishing, and yeah, so it's not not as bad now. Yeah.
0: Not quite as secretive. Yeah,
1: and you know, and and it all comes down to I, I, I always try to educate people, saying so. You know, the bigger river systems, we can talk about it, but just there, there needs to be a balance, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. have you had any
2: experience with that yet? Uh, with people g- getting upset about places uh, to the point actually where I get nervous about posting certain things on social media? Yes. Yeah. And you know what? So you should.
1: We, we, we both were, I mean, you're aware too, like how, how big the following is, how many people were reading this. So you got to be very careful in what you say.
0: And BC, um, like I've traveled the world and I can honestly tell you there is no audience as mm. hard on people as British Columbia. Yeah. Yeah. BC steelheaders and BC anglers are a different breed. And my mm. friends from around the world cannot, they don't know how I've survived, honestly, yeah. especially steelheaders take pride in their fishery. They take pride in their skills. A lot of them are maybe not as, maybe they got into fly fishing to be alone. Maybe they're not as social. Maybe they can be socially awkward. Who knows? But they're hard on people in their own backyard.
1: When it comes to being careful, posting stuff, you know, Mm. we watch you know, what's, what message you want to send out to, right? You know, for example, are we wearing a life jacket? Or are we, um, oh, yeah. are we, are we keeping the fish wet? Are we, um, that kind of stuff, right? Not because we, 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 we're afraid that we're doing something wrong, but we know, like, a lot of kids look at our stuff. A lot of, you know, young, new anglers look at our stuff and want to make sure they're, they, they're being set on the right track as well, right? We have a responsibility to do the right thing.
0: Are you so, still doing the take a kid fishing? The so, so
1: Fish for the Future, mm-hmm. you came out and helped out once um, in Steveson. I, I started that event back in 2003 as a way to kind of just giving it back to the community, um, teaching kids how to fish for the day. We had like several hundred kids showing up at the time. Um, so that event ran until 2012. Since then, I've started the second event called Chilliwack's All About Fishing. So it's pretty similar, but it's in a um it's in a building so there's no actual fishing involved but it, again it's about everything about teaching about fishing mm-hmm. teaching kids how to fly cast fly tying and um, how to go bar fishing and and that event is actually bigger than the previous one so the last one we had over 2,000 people showing up um, just for the day oh my god yeah and when we, I
0: think of you I think community
1: yeah and that's that's uh, that's what I want to focus on that's what the legacy one kind of leave behind too oh right? well you so. can't
0: have any haters then how can you possibly <laughs> hate on that especially oh, yeah. if you're giving yeah. back like that
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah well funny enough because for for that event when i was promoting it and I, I did get a couple messages saying sure let's uh let's bring more people into to the Veter river and it, and that's 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 increased the fishing pressure right i'm like okay like
0: sarcastic you mean yeah
1: exactly yeah. so yeah
0: it's interesting because i just came from interviewing bob Hooten and w- mm-hmm. we were discussing the importance of having people in the sport or not you know in and on one level or on one hand he's saying we have too many people fishing and then in the next breath it's we can't shut fisheries down because then they die so it's mm-hmm. a constant struggle to finding you know the balance.
1: It's a balance, yeah.
0: How are you guys managing that with having such an open platform? Because when I yeah. feel like I'm oversaturating, I just take a step back, or I focus yeah. on a different country, or I focus on something else. But you guys, you are BC-based. Yeah. You guys are expected to put out content.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you how do you balance without yeah. feeling like you're putting out too much?
1: You know, we, when you have so many shows a year, uh, so many videos a year. So speaking of balance, I mean, and Kitty is a teacher from September to what, June? Yeah, that the inter- school year. Yeah, school year, right? <laughs> so, so, you know, she can only go out on weekends and, and people got to keep in mind that it's not just doing these episodes. It's not just going out and fish. It's a very time consuming process. So going out for a weekend, it's not really a break for her. Um, she, right. Even though she enjoys it, she can't be doing this every weekend. You know, we do it. So we've been trying to find a balance. It's been a challenge trying to find, find a balance to do this. With her, with a day job, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been doing it maybe once every two months. So that's that kind of that's kind of the balance, right?
2: Yeah, this was my very first year teaching in an and um, throughout the the year, it, Rod did uh, present different opportunities that I could join and, and tag along on, uh, especially during my winter and spring breaks. And it was actually on the soul mass after we had done that episode with Murphy's. Um, I went out with one of my girlfriends and. There was so much garbage around the spots that we really treasure, the spots we treasure. And so um, this Earth Day, um, Rod and I did our very first video with my class. Wow. Did and you have to get a whole bunch of parental consent and stuff? I had to get all the forms ready. Rod was, was delightful, and he put together a beautiful letter um, explaining what the project was about. So thank you, Rod. Uh, that took a lot of pressure off me. Because how old are they, Kitty? What's the age group? It was a grade two, three class. Oh, wow. Okay. So eight, eight, and nine. Oh, but the perfect age. They're adorable. I love them to death and I miss them. Uh, so we we put together this project. Uh, Rod and I decided we would talk about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch as our focus. Ooh, Big topic. Um, something that I had never really looked into myself until I actually had to teach the kids this. I had heard about it, but I didn't know all the facts and um, how awful of a, a problem it is. And so what we did was we organized a garbage cleanup starting at the school. And then we worked our way down to the ocean. And we talked about microplastics and how plastics, they start off where the kids are throwing. you know They throw a granola bar wrapper, and how it eventually makes its way into habitats, and then down to the beach, and out into the ocean, and how it affects uh, sea life. And so that was one of the projects that we were able to combine um, my, my, my day job and Rod's job, and it really worked out. And him and I talked after because it was so successful that we wanted to do something like this every year. So it's really, if you can think of any ideas, oh, I've got April. So many. I would love to I'm hear. Just this getting started. <laughs> First of all, do you still do river cleanup out in Chilliwack?
1: Yeah, I. I so I started the, um, I guess, the Vetter River Cleanup Society back in two thousand two, I think. Yeah, two hundred two, two hundred three. Um, I don't, I don't um, do that anymore. Someone else has taken over that, just because I don't have the time to do it. So that that program is still going on pretty Perfect. successfully. Uh, I think there's still three cleanups going on every year, and they get uh, attendance is probably about three four hundred people at a time. Yeah, so, it's really yeah.
0: successful, isn't it?
1: It's 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 very successful. Successful, I would say. Um, the The river is a lot cleaner now mm-hmm. compared to back. Fifteen years ago, they don't remove as much garbage now compared to back then. So, yeah, I would say so. Yeah,
0: that's a really, really yeah. impressive program. Mm-hmm, yeah. Tell me about this garbage patch.
1: You want me? To, I, I, I want
0: you guys to educate me. Yeah, Te- teach so, me like I'm a grade two student.
1: Yeah, so so when, when so when we started this uh, documentary project um, on the on garbage cleanup. Like I said, we saw lots of garbage down the river, and so well, why don't we involve get the kids involved and, um, you know, or film and clean up garbage? It'll be a kind of like a nice story. Mm-hmm. But then we started looking into the Great Pacific Ocean Garbage Patch. Where is which that is, It's it's just outside. It's kind of like in the middle of the Pacific, um, so uh, between California and Hawaii.
0: Okay, and it's and the size the big, of Texas or something.
1: Exactly, size of Texas. But most people think it's it's one big giant floating island, but it's actually not. Oh, it's not. Most of the garbage is actually submerged, uh, like up to ten feet below the surface. Ooh, you can't actually right. see it, um, and a good chunk of it it's microplastic. So what happens is plastic goes out in big chunks. So let's say you have a plastic chair that goes out into the ocean. It gets degraded by sunlight. It gets degraded by just physical abuse. Um, you know, ocean. Current and it eventually it gets broken down into tiny, um, I guess, the size of the sand grain, and fish ingested, and they find microplastics in fish, in birds, and eventually they end up back to human, and and a lot of these microplastics come from plastics that have been dumped in the ocean back in the sixties and seventies, so this is an ongoing problem, right? It's it's never gonna go away unless you clean that up. There is a big project that's happening started start, started this summer that's gonna attempt to clean up that patch. Um, how we'll see how that's gonna work out. But I think after doing some research and after you know while doing our little project here, I thought well, yeah, you can clean that up, but let's figure out a way to prevent the feeding of the garbage into the ocean by telling people about the problem and telling people to stop throwing garbage in in, in the river and you know improperly disposing garbage right so so we don't keep feeding garbage into the ocean then having it come coming back to us through what we're eating
2: right? yeah so. that's crazy how does it stay together just currents yeah it's all about spreading awareness to the young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully this project that we did with them uh, this following school year sticks with them for the rest of their lives. Uh, some actually ended up going out on Earth Day the following day and they took their parents out and talked to them about the, what they had learned in school and were picking up garbage on their own time. It's just nice to bring that, like, a, to create that community with the kids and to show them about their community and what's going on and it's hands-on experiences and they they actually got to witness how, how where it starts where it goes and where it ends up. I think they took a lot from that day. Well, as a teacher, what are your thoughts on
0: on on this? Coquitlam has recently, I don't know which school it is, but I know you know you'll know what I'm talking about. The new grade 11 program where they've added fly fishing as a course. Can you see maybe in future trying to introduce something into the curriculum or or maybe even taking that curriculum and making an elementary school program? That in like how as a teacher could you introduce Fly fishing, fishing? yeah. Because let me just kind of give you some context. When I was in New Brunswick quite some time back, I had some serious conversations with teachers about how we could introduce a fly fishing part of their curriculum. And I kept getting hit with, I kept hitting these roadblocks just because the curriculum is so structured and it's so strict about what goes where and... I couldn't seem to get my foot in the door in in introducing fly f- or fishing, and it was confusing for me because there's so many different areas that it touches into. I mean, it goes into biology, environmentalism. It goes into economy to some degree. It goes, it touches on so many different areas of of education and and physical education. I mean, do you
2: see as a teacher how it could be put into the classroom? I, I think for sure it could with um, being a cross, you know cross curricular activity. I could, I could totally see fishing eventually being put into the curriculum or being just taught as a class. So you can link it to science, um, social responsibility, uh, phys ed. So there's, there's a lot of ways that you could do it. And my principal this year suggested the idea of doing a fishing class. No. Yeah, she did. So I would have to, I would take a certain amount of Kids that were interested in doing it and actually kind of um, like the Goldfish BC, like the learn to fish program, and kind of yes. do some kind of those activities where you have your identification and As and proper fish handling and tackle and and going out extracurricular though or in school. So this would be no, this would be during school hours. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. This is this is something that's new. It's not for sure, but um, they just wanted to really kind of showcase the teachers' talents and and take maybe certain kids during the day and have them rotate to these clubs or these groups. It's pretty cool. It's not out, like it's not after the bell goes. Trust me, if I can find a way to weave fishing into the curriculum, I will do that. Well, you know, usually you start at the bottom and you work your way up
0: when it comes to education, but if they've already got the program in place now in Coquitlam from grade 11, you could work down from that. Because how cool would that be if they're introduced to it in elementary school and primary school and then by the t- And then when they get to high school, it's not so alien that there's a grade 11 fly fishing course. You know what I mean? You could work your way up to it. You might just be that person who can bring it into the... What do we call
2: it? Is it elementary school nowadays or is it primary school? Yeah, elementary school. Yeah. I just say it. Just a thought. I And I think I... Well, I would love to work with it and, and take, take my knowledge with fishing and pass it down to the younger kids. They were really engaged. When we took them fishing, they were all... About catching those pumpkin seeds.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about this. So if you're dealing with kids that are like eight and nine, I just remember I used to teach Girl Guides Canada. They were all nine, 10 years old and they were so impressionable and they really picked things up fast. Do you, do you feel like this is the perfect, like what's the perfect age for you
2: to introduce something like fishing to kids? Grade two and three. Um, They have, they're quite independent and like you said, they're little sponges, and they just suck every bit of information that you feed them. And um, they just—they love learning, and they—and they love um, not only just keeping what they've learned in the classroom, but going home and practicing it outside of, of school hours, and um, doing it on the weekends with their parents and sharing it. So. Great, Grade two and three, I would think that's a great age. Okay. I get this question all the time. I get people, I get fathers saying, I want to get my daughter or my
0: son into fishing. How do I do this? And I'm going, well, my kid's seven months and I've only worked a little
2: bit with girl guides. like I'm not really sure. Do you have any suggestions for them? If I was going to get anybody into fishing, I actually worked with the Freshwater Fisheries Society of BC a couple of years ago when I was a learn to fish instructor. And they deliver learn to fish programs all over the province. Um, at different lakes that they stock, and I think that's the best way because they provide all the tackle, and you can go there knowing absolutely nothing, and they will they will show you the very basics of fishing. And uh, you know, sometimes you're ex- uh, successful, and you catch a couple of fish while you're there.
1: I think you are asking about in general how do you get kids into fishing?
2: Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, you'd be a great person just, to ask this too. Just too.
1: keeping it fun. Um,
2: do you think they have to catch
0: fish though for it to stay fun?
1: They something has to happen, but it doesn't. It, it could be any fish. It could be a scalpin. It could be a pumpkin seed. Um, you know, you see, you see parents, some parents take their kids out fishing for salmon. And their idea of fishing with the kids is that the dad will hold the rod and try to catch a fish and while the kid watches. But that's mm. that's not what taking the kid fishing is about, right? Uh, when you take a kid fishing, you should take the kid down to the local lake and give that kid a rod and... Show him how to do it. Show him or her how to do it and and uh watch that flow going down and so you can get them excited, right? When you take someone new fishing, the the focus should be on the person who's learning, not not on you.
0: Right? Do you think we're at a disadvantage because we don't have crappie and bass and bluegill and a lot of those fish that are easier to
1: catch? Yeah, a little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean it's we do have some of that around here. It's I mean it's invasive, it's introduced and it's uh, the problem the the problem with b c right now it's it's the lack of fishing opportunities we um if you look at just the southwestern british columbia Vancouver to hope compared to fifteen years ago the amount of fishing opportunities have been cut down a lot some people a lot of people say fishing pressure has gone way up um but what happens is we by having let's say Less fisheries around. Most anglers are now, you know, going t- towards the, uh, the the rest of the fisheries. So that's what we're seeing. You know, easier rivers and they're concentrating in. One yeah, spot. exactly. This is right.
0: exactly the conversation I just yeah. came from with Bob.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's yeah. what he was saying. Yeah, I pretty much think very alike. Yeah. Yeah. So you have two. You have two things. You have that, and you have the growth in Vancouver. The population <laughs> growth in Vancouver. In the last twenty years, it's pretty significant. Um, so you're going to get more anglers coming out, and 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 that's an issue, right? And that's something that we've been pressing with the government, saying, "Well, let's do something about it." You know, like it's, it shouldn't be status quo. I mean, it should be we should be doing something.
0: Where does uh, the money from our license sales go?
1: Depends. So the freshwater fishing license goes to the Freshwater Fisheries Society BC. The, um, the conservation surcharges that you pay for the salmon, steelhead, whatever, um, goes to the Habitat Conservation Trust Fund, uh, Trust Foundation, sorry. And that organization funds different things. They fund um, infrastructures for um, angling and hunting. So let's say a new floating dog down, down on this lake, uh, and it funds uh, research on, for example, they, they're going to be doing snorkel counts for steelhead on the... On the Vedder River coming up this winter, oh. and that's that money is coming from your fishing, from your conservation surcharge that you're paying. So, yeah.
0: So it doesn't all go to hatcheries.
1: No, it doesn't all go to hatchery. Yeah, the hatcheries actually. Well, the, the when it goes to the Freshwater Fish Society or BC, it they they operate five trout hatcheries. So they they produce trout that goes into lakes. The 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 salmon hatcheries are funded by federal DFO. Um, that money is coming from, I think it's coming from general revenue. I'm not, I'm not totally sure actually, but uh, yeah, so it's it's totally different. But our, our BC freshwater fishing license goes back to the resource pretty much 100%. But we're definitely going through a pretty tough time right now uh, in this area with the lack of salmon, with the Fraser's in trouble, with the Thompson steelhead. and um, there, there isn't an immediate solution for that. I think... You know, most most of us, most of the anglers, look at it saying, "Well, what do we do?" This, the, the problem is huge, right? And and no, everyone has all these ideas. Um, my take is that, well, we need to sit down. All sectors, so recreation anglers, First Nations, commercial fishermen, we all need to sit down on the same round table and look at this and solve the problem on our own. Instead of instead of fighting for. Catching the last fish, because right now that's what we're doing. You know, recreation language, recreational anglers, uh, recreational groups are going up to DFO saying well, we need, we want more openings, we want this, we want that. Right? First Nations going to DFO saying we want this, and so it's DFO is kind of like a parent. So it's, it's, they they're trying to, you know, allocate the right amount for everyone, and they get press they get pressure so much to do it. we we we, we we're running out of fish, in my opinion. So the Fraser River Chinook and Sokai is not going to bounce back in the in the next cycle or Thompson River still is not going to bounce back to historic height in the next 10 years. But if we want something to... If we want to see that happening for our grandchildren, we're going to start now because mm-hmm. we're running out of time. Honestly, we're running out... I mean, it's, the numbers don't lie, right? We, If you look at the trend in the last 10, 20, 30 years, you know, don't that's not... Let's not be kind of, um, let's not turn our head away and try to pretend that it's not happening. Yeah, it's and a serious send, shifting baseline Yeah, stop right focusing now. on that. You're losing your fishing opportunity. You start saving fish. Last year when the Thompson River Steelhead petition came up, you know, Keith and I had this conversation about it and they said, well, not, yeah, there's only a handful of steelhead anglers on the Thompson River, maybe, a, I don't know, a few hundred. To maybe a a couple thousand and being generous here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to get the general public in Canada to care about a couple hundred steelhead when nobody really knows about it. It, it doesn't benefit everyone else except a couple thousand people. Um, whereas if you, when it comes to grizzly bears, saving grizzly bears, it's easy for for the for the public to back it because. It's a it's an animal that's majestic. It's it's huge and it's people like looking at it. People can actually see it. So that that's a benefit to everyone. Same thing with Fraser River uh, sturgeon. If we all stop uh, catching and releasing sturgeon in in the Fraser, then nobody will care about it because you don't see it. It's in in it's in the river that has visibility that's down to a few inches. Yeah. Right. If you, you don't, if you can't see it, right, you want, you, you want, you, you don't want to protect it. There's mining and effluent is running to the Fraser, and that's killing the sturgeon. Nobody would care
0: because they can't see it.
1: But if if fishing quality declines for sturgeon mm. and because of mining, you bet. I bet you there's there'll be thousands of people who's gonna speak up about it. Right. So the more people using it. The stronger the voices, but but there is a balance, right? I mean, you can't have again, but at the same time, you can't have too many people out there if fishing pressure is too high, that's bad for the fish, too. So it's, it's a very delicate balance that you got to find.
0: But you know that they've recently banned the grizzly bear hunt,
1: mm-hmm, yeah, and exactly, so it's yeah. super relative because,
0: mm-hmm. like it or not, depending on it, doesn't matter what your opinion is, it's mm-hmm, banned. Mm-hmm. And It's banned because the general public pushed for it to be banned. Exactly. Yeah, they weren't educated. Mm -hmm. They weren't knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. They certainly don't live up in grizzly bear country, but they can relate to the beauty and the Mm -hmm. the majesty. People can
1: relate to that species,
0: and so they actually pushed an emotional vote through to cancel. So it does what you're saying is relative. It's
1: it's hard to get emotional about uh, it, right? In a Thompson. Because to most people at Badger, it looks like a salmon that you see in the fish market. For sure. And they just so, say, we'll throw up yeah, another so hatchery. What, what's from, what's the difference between those 200 steelheads and those salmon we eat? in the restaurant yeah what's up with that and
0: even if there are no steelhead who cares because we can still get a coho
1: exactly yeah so there's still other fish to eat so what's wrong with that right
0: but with a grizzly bear they're not going to say oh the grizzlies are gone so I'm instead going to envision a small black bear
1: Hmm, yeah
0: Um, is there anything that you guys would like to add add yeah um,
1: so back to talking about Um, not everyone fish for the same purpose Mm. and that's exactly right. So if you look at our audience, you know, I'm I'm constantly asking people like, so what do you want to see? What do you want to watch? Oh, what do they want to see? So the the steelhead videos are not necessarily more popular than the trout videos. Some of the more popular videos are, you know, trout fishing in the lake, in the urbanized lake and a lot of people want to watch that because that's the only type of fishing they get to do. So they want to learn how to do that properly. Yeah. So that gets more views than let's say, um, still here fishing at an exotic uh, location. For sure. Because they're not they're not interested in that because they'll never get to do that. Um, because not everyone has the privilege to go out and fish, you know, anywhere. Or they 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 might only have half a day every two months to go down to a local lake and catch trout. So mm-hmm. so not everyone fish for the same purpose, and and uh, it's funny and. You know, like I say, I, I always ask people, and a lot of people like trolling, trolling for in lakes. And I hate trolling. I absolutely hate it. <laughs> I think it's so boring. And Nina's always like, you need to do videos on trolling because just because you hate it, not uh, other people love it. So, right. you know, if you want more people to watch it, you better go out and troll.
0: <laughs> Is there anything
2: that you guys would like to add or to ask me? No, I'm, I'm very fascinated by what you do, and I, you're just a go getter. You just get oh, things done, and so. and you have this wonderful confidence about you, and you don't let anybody um, uh, push you, push you around. And I really, I respect that, April. Oh, Kitty, let let me be totally transparent here with you. When I
0: was not that much, well, a little bit younger than you, I was it was pretty hard not to let people push me around. And I'm going to say this to you, woman to woman, angler to angler, industry to industry. It is Maybe it's easier now. I don't know because I, I have the thick skin now. But I, I, I don't want to come across as it's never bothered me. It has bothered me. And there are going to be days where people push you and it will bother you. And don't be concerned that it bothers you. It's normal. Just learn from it and and move on. I don't want to come across so confident that, that it's not authentic because it hurts. People are really, really hurtful. But you just get to a point where you just do your best. There are confident days and there are days where you're, you feel like a loser and you just take them in stride and know that you're trying your hardest. Yeah, well said.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you, you, you never get rid of all the negative comments. I mean, some people are just going to be jealous about what you're doing. That period. I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. But, that, but that's their problem. It's not, it's not yours, right? I mean, do you, I think that's why I said that to you the other day. About it's, it. it's hard not to take. It, it's hard not to yet yeah, to take, take it personally, but just For now,
0: it gets uh, it gets a lot easier. Yeah. I promise you, but, it gets easier. And the more that they break your knees now, the better you'll yeah. be off for it in the future.
1: And 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 when that happens, it just means you you're doing you're doing something right, actually. So, and I when this website started, Vision rod started, I was getting lots and lots of negative reactions. I mean, here's you have a. Asian immigrants <laughs> telling people how to fish in BC. What right? <laughs> what well, well, what can go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, I never really thought about that, right? but you're right. Exactly, yeah, right. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, <clears throat> and that's the other thing, right? I mean, there is there is a pretty large ethnic group, you know, Chinese, ethnic Chinese group um, that are into fishing, and the resource wasn't there as well, so we didn't touch on this. I mean, there's everything's in English, not as I'm saying. That they shouldn't learn English, but it's it's harder for people coming from a different country in the in the you know that English is their second language to understand regulations. It's not. It's written in lawyers' terms, right? So you need someone there to kind of hold their hands and you know help them out and get them started, right? It, it's easy to get angry at people. To get angry at someone. Down the river, not knowing the regulation fully and doing the wrong thing, but it's easy, you know it's you know it's more beneficial, but beneficial to to actually help them to to help them understand because so they're not they won't do it again, right? You know what? Don't get angry at people. Just help them. I, yeah, help them because that's any that'll be good for good for everyone, right? You know why make someone feel bad about not. Who who who's trying to do the right thing but making a mistake? There's no there's no reason to do that, and that's what that's what our work is all about, right? So, not making people feel crappy. (laughs) So when they when they're just trying to go out and do do some fishing. So yeah.
0: Well, I think the community is lucky to have you guys. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thank you for listening.